You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to Genesis 47. Genesis 47, please. And I'd like to continue. We started a long time ago our series on the life of Joseph. And Joseph in the Bible, if you recall, Joseph is a, a picture and a type of Jesus Christ. And uh, Joseph was an amazing Bible character. Uh, maybe he's your favorite Bible character. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite Bible stories as you look at the life of Joseph. But I want to draw your attention to Genesis 47. What has happened here is that now Jacob, uh, Joseph's father, and Jacob's uh, sons, the brothers of Joseph, they've realized that Joseph is alive and he's the king in Egypt. Uh, he is uh, 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 caring for them. He has provided a place for them. He said, I want you to come. There's a famine in the land, but I want you to come and I want you to be with me. And so Jacob and the boys and their families, they load up and they head to meet Joseph. Of course, in the Christian life, our relationship with Jesus Christ is so important. But once you get saved and once you get to know Jesus, the more you know Him, the more you love Him. And the more you love Him, the more you want to be where He is. And there is coming a day when we will see Him uh, face to face and we will be like Him. But until that time, there ought to be a desire for every Christian to walk with Jesus every day. You say, how do I walk with him? Well, we walk with him by spending time in his word. And this book right here, this is the written word. In the beginning was the word, capital W. And the word was with God and the word was God. Well, who was the word? Verse number 14 of John 1, it says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This book right here, this is Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the Son of God. And I'm glad that we can read the Bible. I'm glad we can pray. Aren't you glad we can talk to Jesus? Aren't you glad that He wants to hear from us and He listens and He wants to fellowship with us? And there ought to be a desire to get close to Christ Jacob and his sons, they said, Joseph is alive and it's not enough to have a long distance relationship. We want to go and we want to be where he is. Notice with me in verse number one, then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, my father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan. Behold, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took some of his brethren, even five men and presented them unto Pharaoh and Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. Lord, would you speak to us and give us what we need from the Word of God? Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the testimony. Thank you for uh, the fellowship. Thank you for uh, Katie getting baptized and what a blessing that was. And I thank you for people who have been saved this week. I thank you for uh, answers to prayer. I thank you for the time we can be together to worship you. Help us now to capture these truths and Holy Spirit, speak to us as we look at your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, as we go through Genesis 47, I want you to see the occupation. The occupation of Jacob, the occupation of Joseph before he became king in Egypt under Pharaoh, 
Their occupation was that they were shepherds. Isn't that interesting? Can I tell you, we have a great shepherd. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. He's the shepherd that left the 99 that were safe in the fold and he went to find that one lost sheep. Aren't you glad he came looking for you? Aren't you glad he came looking for us and he saved us? But these, these shepherds here, Jacob and his sons and Joseph, they're shepherds. But notice chapter 46 and verse 34. The end of the verse, it tells us that every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. The Egyptians didn't like shepherds. The Egyptians uh, uh, looked at shepherds as they were a problem. That was not a favorable occupation. Now, let's make the application today. Did you know that Egypt is a picture of the world? In the Bible, Egypt's always a picture of the world. And this world does not like shepherds. This world had the great shepherd, Jesus, who came, and guess what they did to him? They crucified him. And the Bible says, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. This world is not excited about Jesus. This world is not excited about the word of God. This world is not excited about Christians that live like Jesus. And the shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. But I love this. But Jacob said, I'm not ashamed of it. That's what I am. His boy said, that's what we do. Just like our fathers, the same thing has been carried on from generation to generation. Now, I'm a pastor. My dad was a pastor. My brother, Joel, I told you about him. He's in Iowa. He's a pastor. Uh, Jared, you know Jared. He's serving uh, as a summer intern, uh, as an assistant pastor in Arizona. And I don't know what God's will is for, uh, for my brothers long term. And I don't know what God's will is for my kids or grandkids. And I don't know what God's will is for, for you. But I know this. I, I want there to be something in my life that people would look to and say, you know, if Jeremy can serve God, I want to serve God too. If a pastor will serve God, then I want to serve God. Uh, if a Sunday school teacher will serve God, then that's good enough for me. If mommy and daddy serve God, then that's what I want to do. And Christianity ought not be one generation and then it stops. It ought to be generational. There ought to be something passed down. My dad was a pastor for 20 years and a Christian school teacher for 20 years. But I tell you why I signed up to preach. It's because God called me, number one. But number two, my parents, they made serving God a great thing. They didn't criticize, they weren't upset, they weren't bitter, they weren't angry. We didn't go home on Sundays and talk about all the problems of the church members. You know, we went home and talked about how good God is, what a blessing it was to be at church, and what a blessing and a privilege to serve God, but the occupation. Now, I know not everybody's a shepherd, not everybody's a pastor, not everybody's a Sunday school teacher, not everybody's in that role. But if you're not a shepherd... And maybe God, that's not what God has for you. Did you know you ought to help a shepherd? If you're not a pastor, you ought to help a pastor. If you're not a Sunday school teacher, you ought to help a Sunday school teacher. If you're not a bus captain, you ought to help a bus captain. If you're not a choir director or youth pastor, you ought to help one. And I'll tell you, God has given every one of us a job. He's given us a role. He's given us an occupation. And I want to encourage us today to find the role that God has for you. Find the calling that God has for you. You say, Pastor, I already know my calling. I'm an electrician. 
I'm a plumber. I'm a builder. I'm a teacher. I'm a nurse. I'm a doctor. Uh, I'm a mechanic. Uh, I do. And by the way, Brother uh, Lewis, where'd you go, brother? Thank you for fixing that trailer for this group. Uh, they had a problem last night. I texted Lewis and said, I'll take care of it in the morning. I'm thinking, what an amazing man. Thank you for doing that. But can I tell you, I'm not talking about those fields, although you need to have a job and we need to have a livelihood. But did you know God has something for every one of us to do in his harvest field? God has something for every one of us to do to serve God and to reach people and to make a difference and to be a blessing and to be an encouragement. Have you discovered your occupation? Jacob and his sons, they said, hey, we are shepherds. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's what God's called us. And we're going to continue even if we're in Egypt, even if there's a famine, even if being a shepherd is not easy, we will do what God has called us to do. Number two, I want you to see in this passage their location. Their location was that they left their home to come to the place that Joseph prepared for them. Notice verse 6. Pharaoh said to Joseph, he said, hey, your, your father's coming, your brothers are coming. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land, make thy father and brethren to dwell. Verse number 11. And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land. Can I tell you, God's got a place for you. God's got a spot for you. God's got a place for you and I to be in the center of his perfect will. And you'll never be happy until you find that place. I'm not talking about a physical address. I'm not talking about just a, a certain house or a certain type of building. But I'm talking about when you are right with God. And you know that you are doing what God has called you to do and you're serving God and you're living for God and you're in the place that God has for you. There's no place like being in the center of God's will. God's plan is always best. His way is so much better than us. First Corinthians chapter two, the Bible tells us the best for the Christian is still yet to come. Now, I think it's great down here. I think it's wonderful to serve God down here. But first Corinthians reminds us that I has not seen our eye has not seen, our ear has not heard. It hasn't even entered into our hearts the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Aren't you glad that Jesus right now is preparing a place for you? If you're here today and you're saved, if you're listening on the radio or you're watching on the internet and you've been born again, there is a place in heaven that Jesus Christ is preparing. It's got your name on it. And can I tell you, it is going to be glorious to be in the place that Jesus is preparing. You say, why is Jesus preparing a place for us? Because he wants to be with us. So that where I am, Jesus said, ye may be also. There's a location, there's a place. Joseph placed them. He put them in the right spot. But notice verse number nine. Jacob is talking to Pharaoh and Jacob begins to tell Pharaoh about how rough life had been. He says in verse number nine, he said, hey, Pharaoh, I just want to tell you something about my life and about my past that my days have been few and evil. You know what he says? Poor me. It's been real hard. And by the way, it was rough for Jacob. He did go through a lot. Some of it was self-inflicted. Some of it was his own doing and his own consequences. But Jacob said, you know, Pharaoh, it's been a really a rough life. Now, I got, I got news for you. 
when you're with the Son, when you're in the place that Jesus has prepared you, you don't have to worry about the past. You don't have to focus on the problems. You don't have to focus on the negative. You can be happy knowing that you are in the place that God has prepared for you. Now, you can focus on the negative if you want to. But why would you want to? Why do some people have to be critical? Why do some people have to always focus on the negative and focus on here, oh, this is bad and this is awful? Hey, why don't we just focus on the goodness of God? Why don't we just be thankful that we're saved and thankful we're going to heaven and be thankful that God would place us in the center of his will? Number three, quickly. I see in this chapter not only the occupation, there were shepherds, their location. They were in a place that the son prepared. But number three, I see their preservation. It says in verse 12 that Joseph nourished, he cared for, he met the needs of his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread. But notice verse 13. The Bible says there was no bread. The Bible says the famine was very sore. It was very severe. You say, well, how does Joseph supply bread when there is no bread? Well, I got a question for you. How does God provide manna in a wilderness for over a million and a half Jews when there is no bread? How does God supply water in the wilderness for a million and a half Jews and all their cattle when there's no water to be found? How does God send meat when his people are hungry? Can I tell you how he does it? It's miraculous. He does it out of nowhere. He does it from places you'd least expect. I was telling my wife, we were talking about this last week about an answer to prayer that I had. And I hadn't even told her about the specific thing. I told her after. But I said, it's amazing how God answered a prayer, but it wasn't the way that I would have suspected. You know, sometimes you pray for something, you already, <laughs> but I shouldn't say you do it. I don't mean to be critical of you. I'll be critical of myself. But you know how I do it. Sometimes I pray and I'm thinking, I know how God's going to do that. I just think God might do this. And sometimes God does it and he just blows you away. I think just to remind us that we're not in charge. And not only are we not in charge, we sometimes don't have a clue what he's doing. But that's okay because he's God. And his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Joseph provided bread for his family when there was no bread. He provided uh, sustenance and he preserved uh, his people and his family and he preserved the world. Notice verse 15. The Bible says, and when money failed in the land of Egypt, whew, the economy crashed and the people are coming and they're begging Joseph and they're saying, give us bread, give us bread. We've got seven years of famine. Well, guess what? That didn't catch Joseph by surprise because he'd been prepared. He'd been stocking up and storing up during the seven years of plenty and God's provision has not run out. And God's resources have not uh, been emptied out. God is still the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He owns it all. The heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. And God can take care of you. And God can take care of me. I'm glad that God always takes care of his own. Our girls, um, they, uh, Joanna is obviously such a, a wonderful mother to our girls, wonderful wife, wonderful pastor's wife, and, and she does so much. But I'll tell you one thing, is that our children do not go hungry. Now, they may be picky. <laughs> Who am I? How many of you have a picky 
eater in your house? Let me see your hands, okay? We got a few hands, all right? Let's find out how many of you are the picky eater in your house and you're not afraid to admit it. All right, we got a few of those, okay? Now, our girls may not always get everything they want. Like it may not always be cake and ice cream, you know? It may not always be that, which they don't get a lot of that, but they get some. But there's always gonna be food on their table. You know why? Because dad and mom, we will go without if we have to. But we're gonna take care of our children. And if we would do that for our children, you think God's gonna let you go hungry? You think God can't meet your needs? You think God can't take care of you? I got news for you. My God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And the son was Joseph, but a picture of Jesus. He provided and he preserved his family and he met their needs. Number four, quickly. I want you to see this. It says in verse 23, then Joseph said unto the people, behold, I have bought you this day. Now, I know what this means, and you know what this means, but I want you to think about the application. How about this? Ye are bought with a price. You've already been bought. You've already been purchased. You've already been redeemed. You don't have to work your way to heaven. By the way, you couldn't if you wanted to. You don't have to earn your way. You don't have to have your good outweigh your bad. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to be a church member. You don't have to be the citizen of the year. You can go to heaven and I can go to heaven because the price has already been paid. Jesus paid it all. And Joseph said, ye have been bought. You've already, it's already been paid. But then notice if you would, verse 25, they said to Joseph, thou hast saved our lives. And I want to remind you, if you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have been saved. You have been redeemed. You have been born again. You're not going to hell. You're going to heaven. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And isn't it wonderful to know that you're saved? And once you get saved, it's eternal life. It's everlasting life. You didn't earn it, and so you can't lose it. It is yours, not because of you, but it's all because of him. Hallelujah for the day I got saved. This last week when I was in Illinois, Joel and I, my brother, we drove to Rockford for that funeral of our pastor. And after that funeral, we drove by the old house where we lived on Victory Street. I've told you about that before. And uh, mom always tells me, she said, Jeremy, don't, don't show people where we used to live and all that because it was nice when we lived there and we actually, you know, kept it mowed and painted and kept it. Now it's a jungle and it's a dump, you know. So mom says, don't tell everybody. But I was saved at that house, 229 Victory Street, Rockford, Illinois. And this last Monday, Joel and I, we drove by there. As we drove by the side of that house, first of all, it's amazing how things look so different when you're a kid. I remember how that yard looked so massive. You know why? Because I had to mow it. It doesn't look that big anymore, but it did when I was little. And I remember that basketball court in the back. That seems so huge. And now it's like, man, it's just a little square, it seems like. And I drove by that bedroom, saw that window where I prayed and trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was a boy. I knelt beside the bed there with my dad and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad I'm saved. 
I'm so glad that Jesus thought that I was worth it. I'm so glad that Jesus thought that we were worth it, that he gave his life on the cross so that you and I could have eternal life. First John says, he that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I want to ask you this morning, are you saved? I didn't ask you if you're a church member. I didn't ask you if you're a good person. I didn't ask you if you've uh, uh, been tithing. I didn't ask you if you've been a good neighbor, but I asked you, are you saved? If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? You're not guaranteed you've got tomorrow. You're not guaranteed you've got next week. But you've got today. God's given you this opportunity to get saved. Joseph saved the people. He saved their lives, but I'm glad that our God has saved our soul from hell. And then lastly, I want you to see the destination. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 28. It says that Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. Now, isn't that amazing? By the way, do you remember how old Joseph was when he was sold by his brothers as a slave? How old was he? He was 17. Jacob thought he'd never see his son again. He thought his son was dead. He thought he was gone. He thought that was it. And God gave Jacob 17 more years with his son before he died. Isn't that amazing how good God is? You might think it's hopeless. You might think it's all over. You may think the last chapter's been written, but the story's not over yet. God is still at work. And God blessed Jacob in the last 17 years in Egypt. But in those 17 years in Egypt, Jacob never felt at home. He never got too comfortable. You say, how do you know? Because in verses 29 and 30, Jacob gave Joseph a dying request. He said, son, he said, I'm old. I'm getting ready to die. And it could be real soon. He said, I want you to promise me that when I die, I want you to promise me that you will take my bones out of Egypt. He said, I don't want you to bury me here. He said, I want to be buried where my fathers were buried. I want to be buried in a different place. He said, thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. It's interesting that Jacob requested that his body, his bones, be carried out of Egypt. Now, it's amazing to me because God has made us a promise. And you know what that promise is? That he's not going to leave us on this earth. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And when that trumpet sounds, we're going to be raptured out of here before the tribulation and before the judgment. We will be out of here. And you say, but what about those who've died? God's not even going to leave their bones on this earth for the tribulation. They will be resurrected and the dead in Christ will rise first. And our, our, our life is not here and our hope is not in this earth. Our home is in heaven. Our citizenship is in another place. This past March, I took a quick trip back to Santa Clara, California for that pastor's conference. I try to go to that. It's a couple days every uh, March, and I went. And uh, when I go back to Santa Clara, uh, there's always some precious memories. Uh, first of all, it's where I went to Bible college, and it's where I met my wife. Hallelujah for that place where I met her. It was actually in Santa Clara I was born. We only lived there for about a year, and then my family moved to Illinois, but I was born there. Um, I was called to preach there at a youth conference. I met my wife there. 
Uh, our girls, Lacey and Savannah, were born there. We've got a lot of dear friends, a lot of precious memories. But we do not own one thing in Santa Clara. We don't have any treasure laid up there. We don't have any possessions stored up there. You know why? Because that's not our final destination. I went to Illinois this past week and just for a couple days and we drove by the house where we grew up. Uh, Joel and I, we drove by that house and a lot of memories there, but we don't have anything there. Drove by the house where Joanna and I lived and it's, it's a wonderful place, wonderful memories, but we don't own that place and we're not saving anything there. Went by the old church, went by the new church building, thankful for a lot of precious memories, but nothing saved there. Went by the grave where my father, his body is laid and he's not there, hallelujah, he's in heaven, but went by there. But there's nothing saved up in Geneseo, Illinois. There's no riches there. There's no property there. There's no houses there. There's no treasure there. You say, how come? Because that's not the final destination. The final destination is in glory. The final destination is on the other shore. The final destination for the Christian, this world is not our home and we're not supposed to lay up treasure down here where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but we're supposed to be laying up treasure in heaven and where our treasure is, that's where our heart's going to be also. And Jacob's destination, he said, don't, don't leave me in Egypt. Even when I'm dead, he said, don't leave my bones and my body in Egypt because this is not the place where I'm staying. And I want to remind us this morning, there's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. Aren't you thankful for heaven? I want to ask you this morning, are you ready for heaven? And if you say, I am ready, I've been saved, I've been born again, I want to ask you this morning, are you homesick for heaven? There ought to be a longing. There ought to be a desire. As Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt two. He said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at thebcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.